Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the word with us. I uh, want to finish tonight with what we started last week on Moses, and so I'm going to dive right in. Are you all ready? I love this series. I just love the study that we've been able to put into different faith men and women of God uh, that, that showed us a life that we can look at and we can take the points from their life and make the application into our own. One thing I love about Christian Ministry Church, and I have since God led me to it back in the 90s, uh, Pastor Tim, I, I just always loved that the Bible is more than just a history book. I, I couldn't stand history. And so I didn't want to know about anything unless I could make the application into my own life. Well, I learned all these stories and I thought, okay, these stories are great, but how do these stories represent how I live life today? And so I couldn't just tell the story of Moses last week without giving some one, two, threes as to how to live the life and, and uh, that, that he lived and how we make those applications. So last week, Moses, a Hebrew prophet, a teacher, a leader. Now, he is best known for delivering God's people from Egyptian slavery. We talked about last week, Jacob was his great-great-grandfather. He was a Hebrew. He was raised in an Egyptian household and royalty at that. His mom put him in the basket uh, because the Pharaoh at the time was trying to kill all the kids that were young. And, and, and here's the thing. His mom actually got asked to come and take care of him. Now, we were talking last week, I think I was talking to Deanne about it. What's really cool is mom was paid to come take care of him. So I, I, I just love that, that his life was destined for death, but you turn this around and he gets life. And he doesn't just get a kind of life, he gets the God, I mean the good life. And so I, what an example for us. Um, he is noted for delivering or writing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He killed an Egyptian. You remember the story? I'm going through all last week like that. He, uh, he killed an Egyptian. He got a little scared and he ran. Uh, he cared for people. If we get one thing out of this story that you may never have thought about is Moses cared for people. He was a humble man that cared for God's people. God talked to him from a burning bush. God wanted Moses to deliver his people from slavery. Moses was okay with God using anyone but him. And I think that that's a real identity for some of us. God's like, hey, just use somebody else. You can do that. I, I, I used to, young people in our church, and I'll use Shelby as an example. Praise God she's up here behind the piano and singing. Because she's gifted. But you know, there was a time where she had to be convinced that she could be used in that area. Now, I'm saying that after the fact. I wouldn't call them out right now if she was still in that. But she answered the call, even though I know a lot of us at times think, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. But, but Moses was a prime example of I can't do that. And God said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And here's how you can do it. Here's how you'll make all that happen. So he was uh, obviously a little concerned about failure, as we all are, and always thought someone could do it better. I can tell you, I fought that when it came to preaching. 
I could sing in front of anybody, and I still can. The problem was when it came to talking, I was like, Moses, I, I stutter, God. I mean, I, it wasn't a real stutter, but it was one of those things that I just didn't know if I could communicate his word. And he said, I'll, I'll take care of that. You, you got to know I've got a call on your life. And, and I'm not saying that you're called to be a preacher or a pastor, but you are called. If you know Jesus, you're called, and God will equip you in your calling. God answered all of his concerns that he had over time. And as Moses would give an excuse, God just kept overcoming Moses' fear with an answer. And I know that God still does that today. And he's going to give you the answer. He's just looking for you to say yes. In the end, Moses being, became a real courageous leader. He was uh, real close to God. And in fact, we ended last week with Moses was buried by God. There's not an account of someone else burying him. So there's the, if you want all the specifics of that whole story, you can listen to last week's message. And if you were here, you heard it. All right, I, got, I ended with the five points last week that I wanted to talk about this week. So we'll just start off with these five points and then we'll expound on them. So here they are. Number one, have a humble heart. Moses had a humble heart. Moses over time developed a humble heart, and, and that made him usable, and it'll make you usable. Number two, God will fight with us. God will fight with us. God will fight at times for us, and that's what he did with Moses. Number three, with great power comes great accountability. With great power comes great accountability. You have all the power at your hands that you'll ever have available that anybody will because of what Jesus did for us to win back the authority that we can now walk in. Number four, aim for the right prize. Moses had to learn this, but over time we see in his life, he aimed for what God had said, this is what you aim for, this is what you aim for, aim for the right prize. Number five, uh, Moses developed a real personal relationship with God, and that's what we're doing. We're working on that, and he just had a personal relationship. All right, number one, Moses had a humble heart. And for those of you that like taking notes, tonight's your night. So number one, number one, we're going to start out with Numbers 12, verse 3. It says, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. That's quite a title. I mean, really, that's a good one. If you're going to get one, that's a good one to get. Uh, when you start thinking about your life, you realize that it's a miracle that we're all even here. I mean, COVID just happened. It's a miracle, according to the world. But let's just talk about it from life circumstances. Can you remember times in your life that you're like, ooh, I'm glad I made it through that? I can. A couple of points in my life, I'm like, I just can't believe I'm where I'm at today. And it's a miracle. And I'm going to give God the credit for a miracle because miracles happen because of the Lord. And so it was a miracle that... Moses lived because all of the kids his age were dying. And so there's a miracle right off the bat in his life. Acts 7.20 says that he was beautiful in God's eyes. I, I, I say this, and I used to tell my kids this, and I, I preach this a lot because I think it's important to know. But if God has a refrigerator, your picture's on it. Why? Because he thinks you're good looking. Now, I just like that thought process because God even said that about Moses. 
Moses was pleasing in God's eyes. And, and, and then some scholars say he had good looks and charisma in God's eyes for a leadership position that other people would be drawn to when they didn't even know that their drawing was to God. Being raised in an Egyptian household and royalty at that, I bet he had the attention of a lot of different people. You know, I mean, just because of his position in life. And, but here's what's really cool is having a humble heart, he thought about things from both sides. Now, I'm not saying he straddled the fence, but he had a view that a lot of us don't understand. And if we could have that view on things that go on in life, and see things from the other side, even if the other side is blinded, we can see that it's blinded and we can see both sides. It allows us to have the heart of God a lot better. And we can operate with a humble heart. Living the life that he lived, he just was allowed to have a God perspective that a lot of people didn't. I mean, if you were a slave, you saw things from a slave standpoint. If you were royalty, you saw things from a royalty standpoint. But he had both. He saw from both sides. The world has a way of doing things that, that when you only see it from one side, the other side's always wrong. Now, as a Christian, we know that sin is wrong. But why do people fall into that? And here's what I can tell you is it, it, it finally got to a point in my life that I'm not surprised when a heathen acts like a heathen. We shouldn't be surprised when they're in sin. There was a season in your life, and some of us here lived long enough in sin, that we recognize, thank God, that I'm not there anymore. See, there, there is an there understanding when you can see the other side of Proverbs 14, 12 that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. Now, I have always tried to avoid getting into arguments with people that are not seeing it God's way. Now, when they come and they put themselves in a position to receive from you, that's different. But when you're just arguing with them, how well does that work? I've not seen one Facebook argument that ended well. They finally just defriend each other. And you've probably been one of those people that's been in there at some point. But, I mean, we get into these discussions like we're going to win a battle for the kingdom, and all you did is turn them away from Christianity. Now, I, I, I really want you to be careful not to take that don't ever give a God perspective. That's not what I'm saying. But just be careful that you get a big enough picture to understand that obviously they think that's right. They just don't understand. It's going to end in death. So we want to do everything we can to lead them out of that in love and truth. But we've got to have a right balance. And that's what having a humble heart will do for you. So um, you just, we have to have, a, are you getting that first point? You have to have a God perspective. Number two, God's going to fight with us. 
Moses started to see that God was going to do his part in the fight as Moses did his. Can you imagine if Moses would have said, nope, God, and all of his excuses, he just stood on and he said, I know you got an answer for all of it, but I'm not going and talking to Pharaoh. Let's just pretend like that's what Moses did. Would God's people have been freed? I don't know because I don't know the other side of that story. But what I can tell you is, is Moses started seeing that if you'll say yes, God says yes. See, there's, there's a, a partnership here. And you're wanting God to fight a battle. And we have people yelling, God, 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 I need your help. God, I need your help. And he's saying, hey, 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 Moses, 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 I need your help. I need you to say yes and I'll say yes. But we as God's people oftentimes believe that we don't have to do anything in this fight. But we have a part. And we've partnershiped with God, and we think, well, God's God. He doesn't need me. He most certainly needs you. That's why he asked Moses to do We've got to learn from this story of Moses. Yes, he, he wants you. And I, a lot of people are like, well, he doesn't need me. I understand. He would have got someone else if it wasn't Moses. But we wouldn't have had the example that we have. And Moses was telling everybody, I'm inadequate. And God said, just sign up. Just do it. Just do it. Let me throw a little example here. I deal with this all the time. I say all the time. I have dealt with this several times in, in the history of the church. Mamas and daddies saying, hey, listen, my kids are not in a position to be able to sit in a service. My kids can't come and pay attention. They're always, this is always, I'm just going to stay home until my kids get a certain age. And then they get in a fight in their life that they're needing the kingdom of God and they're needing some help. And all of a sudden they're running to church. I, I deal with it. I mean, I've, you wouldn't believe the amount of, thank you, you fought that fight and you won. You're here tonight. So I'm not talking to you. Now, if you were one fighting it, praise God you fought it and you won. So I don't want anybody feeling condemned tonight. But I can, I can tell you because Michelle and I run into him. People who thought that way, and they're still not in church. Yeah. Going to church when you have a kid that doesn't want to sit in church is not an excuse for you ever to stay at home. Yeah. Now, how does that relate to the life of Moses? Because God wants to fight with you, and your fight is getting yourself to the assembling of the believers. Well, I'm not getting anything. You may not be getting anything right then, but now we live in a day where there's podcasts and everything else available. Well, I'll just watch that at home. No, your kid doesn't see the discipline of coming to church every week. So I could give 100 examples, but that's just one that I thought I could give tonight without condemning anybody because y'all are here. So you've won that. Now, if you're listening to that on podcast, uh, <laughs> I'm smiling. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm hanging out right here. I'm not going to three. <laughs> when you're not doing what he asks, you could be limiting what he wants done. Right. Yeah. See, God, God has a blessing in store. Why not let you get it? God has a blessing in store. Why not let it be imparted to you so you can then bless somebody else? Yeah. You, we don't want to live wanting him to do it all. He wants us to do our part. Many times we don't see it the way we think God wants it done. 
See, God, we think God wants to plan it out like this, 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 and this. I mean, how many times have you said, okay, God, here's what I'm believing you for. And then there's A, B, and C, and you're like, it doesn't happen that way. And you're like, where was God? He was at D, and you didn't give him an opportunity. He was at E and F. Sometimes he's at Z. <laughs> I mean, it just takes a while to get where. But the promises of God are yes and amen, and we need to understand that he backs it up by his word. A lot of times people don't understand the process and so they give up on the promise because they didn't like the process. I, I really want you to write that down on this point bigger than anything. We give up on the process on the promise because we don't like the process. We don't like the way God's bringing things back together or moving us into, we don't like the way God's doing that, so we think the promise isn't real. That's not the case. The case is that you are looking at the process as the promise, and the process is always a matter of faith, and it's believing God, and that's what Moses did. He didn't know how that was going to happen, how, these, how they're going to get away from Can you imagine giving up on number eight of all of the plagues? I'm like, well, I went through eight of them. Well, you gave up on the process. You had to get through 10. And then my people were, and then you get them out of there and here they all come after you. I mean, so much of this story is like, okay, this is applicable for my life. As I'm sitting here believing God, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. God will fight with you, but you can't give up on the fight. After the many miracles and proofs of God's power in our lives, we still come to a point of doubting God. We do, but so did they. And Moses, I'm sure at times, had to fight that. So don't think you're alone. You know, the, the word of Moses was deeply rooted at that time into the people, and he had to say this, and he had to say this, and his words that he also said, that he said then are also good for us today. Exodus 14, 14, here's the words he said. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I like that. <laughs> okay, that's good. I appreciate that. Now calm down. The Lord's going to fight for you. Just stay calm. How many times have you been praying for something and then you don't have a peace? It's like, okay, I understand that God's going to fight for I get all of that, but I'm just... Stay calm. Stay calm. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. As Christians, we've got to remember that we're engaged oftentimes in a spiritual battle and all we're doing is seeing it in the physical but there's a spiritual battle going on. Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, if you can just get in your head that you have an all-powerful, almighty supreme ruler of the vast universe as your personal bodyguard, as your personal protector. And he's promised that he's going to fight battles for us that we can't fight on our own. If you would live with that mindset, you might 
stay and persevere in the middle of that and not leave it. The Israelites forgot that it's not a battle of the Israelites versus the Egyptians. They forgot whose team they were on. You got to always remember what team you're on. You got to remember what team you're on. God doesn't lose battles. His people run away from them. And they don't stay the course. I, I, for marriages, I mean, how many marriages have Michelle and I counseled that they were getting ready to get a divorce? And I'm like, well, you're saying all we should do is stay married for the kids? I said, you bet. If that's the only one you've got right now to stay married for, stay married for them, for the kids. And then grow in that and get some other reasons. Well, I don't know that I want any. I, well, you better stay the course. Come on, fight. Fight. It's going to be worth it. But know this. You're not fighting alone unless you've left the battle. And you got to know God's going to fight for you. Number three, Moses realized with great power comes great accountability. The Israelite people are like us. They're hard-headed. And they were proven to be naturally hostile against God's commands. I mean, they were. And because of this, God told them that they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Not a fun predicament. But here's what I, I like about this when I read it in hindsight. When the right time comes, they arrived at the land of Kadesh, and it was the same place where the Israelites rebelled against God 40 years ago. They circled the same mountain for 40 years and they could have went countless times into the promised land. But they just circled it and circled it and circled it because of their hard-headedness. At some point, you have to realize, okay, I need to be accountable to what God said. And I need to do it his way. There's no reason to circle the mountain for 40 years. There's no reason for you to wait till your last breath to accept God's plan for your life. Why not just do it right now? Because there's so much, yeah, that hard-headed person that just, I'm just not going to do what God's word says I ought to. And you may have even heard what it was, and they did. And they just circled it and circled it. And four decades had to be very difficult for Moses as the leader of the Israelites. What can I learn from that? You've been praying for something for five years. You better believe for it for 35 more. Because what you're doing is you're trying to lead someone into right thinking that's like an Israelite. Well, they say they believe in God. All right, well, here's the deal. You, if you're going to use Moses' example and you've got to realize the accountability is don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying for them. Keep leading them. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep leading them. Keep praying for them. Keep believing God. And maybe it's not for a person, but it's for a situation. Four decades had to be difficult for Moses to stay the course. I mean, I'm just telling you, people gathering around complaining to Moses, complaining to Moses, and, and they had no water. Now, let's, let's talk about this. God gave a very specific and easy instruction to Moses. He commanded Moses to take the rod, gather the assembly, and speak to the rock so the people will see that God is their provider. Now, if you jump back, and I believe it's in Exodus 17, he said the same thing there. In 1 Corinthians, it says, 
that Jesus is the rock in this illustration. So the first time he told him to speak to the rock, he spoke to the rock and water came out. And all the people saw it. So then jump forward into Numbers and he says, okay, speak to the rock again, which would be the second time. And he didn't speak to the rock. Do you remember what he did to it? He struck it. Once again, the rock is Jesus. What was, I'm sorry, let me back up. They struck it the first time. I'm sitting here going off and I'm telling the story like I'm from the backside. I'm not dyslexic, just so you know, but I just acted like I was. He was told the first time to strike the rock and he did. So the second time he was told to speak to the rock. And so then when he spoke to the rock, he didn't speak to the rock, he struck it just like he did the first time. Now, I don't know if Moses had this little, well, I, I just thought he said, I mean, we don't have an example here, but that kept him out of the promised land. Okay, here's the example that I think is phenomenal. I want you to hear this tonight. The rock represents Jesus. What did they do to Jesus? They struck him and they killed him. And when they struck him and killed him, it was for his, our, the payment for us. And then they got the blessing of the water. So the second time, he didn't say strike it because it had already, Jesus had already been struck. So the symbolic answer to this is the second time he was to speak to the rock in a relationship with Jesus, in a communication with Jesus. And what did he do? He struck it again. Don't you think for a second that Jesus didn't pay for it all the first time? See, the second time gives us the entrance into the promised land. And so if he would have let Moses in there, the symbolicness of the rock that it was talked about in 1 Corinthians would have made no sense to the Christian. Am I making sense? See, the idea of the rock being Jesus struck the first time, spoke to a communication. Your words are powerful. So quit trying to strike Quit trying to, what, what? we speak to things, and we speak in the name of the rock, the name of Jesus. The symbolicness of that is just powerful. It's just powerful. As I kept reading through that and reading what that all, uh, I was like, okay, I get that, and I've heard that, but man, it exploded in my mind. We, we're trying to strike things without using the power of the spoken word. And he was setting up an example of what Jesus was going to do for us. Really cool, really cool. We need to see that Moses, because he didn't do it the way Jesus asked or the way God asked, he ended up not getting what he could have had. See, accountability for the things of God are important. That's the point here, this third area. The incidents that happened cost Moses his chance of entering the promised land. God said to him and Aaron, because you didn't believe me and hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, you're not going to bring this assembly. You're not going to bring them in to the land which I have given them. Sad day. I pray that you don't miss the things of God because you're not doing what God said. It's a big deal. And I'm not sitting here saying that you're not saved and not going to go to heaven, but we're missing what's available to us oftentimes because we're just not obeying the commands. They weren't suggestions. 
They were commands that he gave us. Moses let his anger, his emotion get the best of him, and he became a bad example to the congregation of God. Now, a lot of times they'll use this in leadership training, but I want to give it to you tonight because you are considered a holy priest according to the word of God. Therefore, you need to take this and be accountable in your own life that understand people are watching you. How you handled that situation at work, how you handled that with your family, that's a position that you need to understand you are accountable for that. So let's learn that from Moses. Number four, aim for the right prize. Moses knew that he had to choose the right path and not let an earthly reward move him. So I'm going right from understanding that we miss out on the things of God to then talking about what the reward is. We get so caught up on rewards being something that we could see, hear, taste, smell. We, we, get, we get caught up on the, all the rewards based on what we can get in our five senses. But oftentimes the reward is being able to sing when you're being attacked in the middle. You're being attacked, and how can you sing while you're being attacked? I, I asked Paul and Silas. I, it wasn't circumstances that dictated why they were doing what they were doing. Moses had every luxury that he needed in Egypt. He was raised as a prince, so he had everything he needed. We've got to be more concerned with God's reward than our own selfish rewards. Hebrews 11, verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. And it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Other passages, if you read that, he kept his faith in the one that he couldn't see. He kept his faith. That's why Moses is called a man of faith. That's why he's a faith hero. He wasn't working for a prize that was all based on the physical. He was working on a prize that was going to benefit the kingdom. Well, it's a big deal. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is. I've said this in a lot of financial series, but show me where you spend your money and I'll tell you where your treasure is. If you just get in your checking account and you start looking where all your money goes, that's where your treasure is. Well, you're talking about money. Yeah, plain old money. It's what you're doing with the increase into your home. Where that's going will tell me where you're, because that's a treasure here in our world. Where's your treasure at? So the other thing is, is not getting so caught up on the physical that your earthly things aren't being a benefit. I, I've, I've said this as I've loaned vehicles and things out. Take care of it like it's your own. 
And for those that I don't think that they would take care of their own very well, I said, take care of it like it's mine. (laughs) Well, what if I wreck it? They make them every day, and God will supply another one. It's not a big deal. Obviously, we want to do a godly thing and take care of things. However, I want you to understand that that's not because my treasure's there. See, we've got to get to a place where whatever you have is being used for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you go give it to somebody who's going to tear it up. You've got to get both sides of that. God's not concerned about how much money you have in the bank, what model of car that you drive. He's not concerned with how big your house is or how beautiful it is, even though he wants you taken care of it. But his concern is, have you really made Jesus Lord? Has he got the position where your aim is always him? When you start applying biblical process to everything that you have, then the process ends at him every time. Number five, for those of you who've been waiting, we're here. Number five, Moses developed a personal relationship with God, and we should too. I mean, it's that simple. Any other faithful man and woman in Scripture uh, that we read about, they had a close relationship with God. Moses is no exception. In fact, I love the stories that the Scripture tell about him. He had a close relationship with God. We've got to realize it's impossible to be faithful to God if you don't believe in him at the level that will get you through what you can see. See, there's, there's got to be a belief in God that's past your circumstances. I, whatever happens, God, I believe in you. You've got my best interest at heart. I'm serving you. I'm there. See, faith starts and establishes an intimate relationship with God. There are two verses that testify to the closeness that Moses had to God. Exodus 33, 11, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Deuteronomy 34, 10, there's never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Once again, pretty cool stuff for Moses. Let's imagine if the same words could be said about us. One who speaks face to face. We see that Moses remained humble, which is something that made him closer to God. And like in the life of Moses, God is interested more than anything else to be closer to each and every one of us. Individually, God initiates the relationship. John 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and the last day I'll raise them up. It's us, up to us how we respond to the calling that God has on our life. It's up to us. And once we answer the call of God, we need to nourish and enrich our spiritual relationship with God. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God in Matthew 22, verse 37, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. What he's saying is three-part beings. I know that a lot of different scriptures get us messed up, body, soul, and spirit. But it's talking about all three parts of who you are. You need to love him. Love him with all of those three parts. And in order for us to develop a strong relationship with God, we are called to totally surrender 100% to him in every ounce of those three parts. I, I want to end with this. Our relationship with God will never grow without spending time with him. 
Our relationship will never grow without spending time with him. You can come to church and you can think that's enough to spend time with him, and it's not. It's not. It's not enough time. There's got to be more investment. We need to spend time with him through prayer and through Bible study. Now, that's what Wednesday nights are, but if you only get 30 minutes of Bible study a week, imagine if you only got 30 minutes of physical food a week. You'd lose some weight, but it might be a detriment to you in in a short time. So let's, let's just understand that we need both of these in our life. We, we talk to God through prayer, and he needs communicated with. But God talks to us through his word. And without spending time in his word, you're missing the conversation. Well, I pray all the time. Well, how much do you read your Bible? See, there's got to be a communication on both sides. And so... We talk to him through prayer. He talks to us through his word. And so that balance of community. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody that all they do is talk all the time. That's difficult. Michelle's looking at me right now. Don't, don't pay attention to her. If you never give someone else the opportunity to speak, well, I talk to him all the time. Yeah, you're the talker. I get that. How much time do you and listen? The word of God needs to be heard. And there's just so many ways now that you can do that. And the most important things in life are not really physical. It's our spiritual relationship with God that's the most important thing. How much are you growing in your personal relationship? Hear me tonight. Moses is no doubt a man destined to deliver God's people from bondage and slavery. God humbled him to the point that he became the meekest man on earth. Kind of a cool thing. His life teaches us vital lessons that will not only benefit us physically, but will benefit us spiritually. So we pray in our lives that God would grant us the wisdom and the courage to apply these lessons every day to our life. Have a humble heart. Fight, 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 and know that God's going to fight for you. Accountability with what you have been given and asked to do. Aiming for the right prize and developing a personal relationship. And relationships, understand this, are all developed. They don't just happen. They're developed. Work on a relationship. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.